Well, let's look at the scripture first, then I'll explain to you. First Timothy chapter 2. Look at verses 1 and 2. The Word of God says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Father, once again, teach us your book now. Give us ears to hear and give me the words to say as we look at these things in the scripture. In Christ's name, amen. amen. And so, a familiar verse to those of you that have been coming to church any length of time at all. What I'd like to do is for the next handful of Wednesday nights is just give you some reminders about prayer. We're doing that as a, an introduction to the new prayer journal that we've been working on as we're putting the finishing touches on that, we just want to give you some reminders. Prayer is something that is so simple a child can do, but it is so complex that it takes a lifetime to learn how to do it well, and even then, nobody ever reaches the, the end of the finish line when it comes to learning how to pray. Prayer is also one of the most spiritual things we can do. That's why one reason why it's so hard to pray is because it's intensely spiritual. You know, cleaning the church, taking up an offering, working with kids, working in the nursery, doing a bus route, going soul winning, uh, teaching a class, being an usher, all of those things have their challenges. But it seems that nothing is quite so hard as going alone, being quiet, and talking to God. But yet that's where the best of Christianity is, is in those quiet moments with God. That's where we get everything we need so that we can do all the other things we're supposed to do. Uh, and prayer is one of those things that's so foundational to the Christian life, and everybody agrees we should do it, but it's probably one of the most neglected areas of our Christian lives, just because it's difficult. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir here tonight. This is a Wednesday night in the middle of winter. I suspect that many of you know what prayer is. You pray regularly. Some of you excel at it. That's just a wonderful thing. But it's something that we can never stop working on. It's We can never take our foot off the gas pedal, so to speak. We can never coast in prayer. And your prayer life is one of the, the best markers for how you're doing spiritually. Because it is such a spiritual act. And the foundational things of the Christian life, reading the Bible, absolute must. Prayer, absolute must. Going to church, absolute must. But of those, prayer, once again, is probably the most neglected because it is so intensely spiritual. You know, the Bible says, be still and know 
that I am God. You know why God told us to be still? Because we have a hard time being still. Right? And so stilling our surroundings, stilling our own heart, stilling our own mind, our thoughts, focusing. Prayer is most entirely spiritual. Because of that, prayer is one of the most effective things you can do. One of the most effective things we can do with our time is pray. Pray for the things we need. Pray for God to work on our own lives. Pray for God to work in the lives of others. We have an invitation from the Almighty who says, Bring me your requests. I will hear them and I will answer them. And the only time he doesn't answer them is if we're asking amiss or we're asking something that's not in his will. But even then, if we know how to pray biblically, we can ask God to take our flawed prayers and use them in what way he knows is best. And then we can end every prayer knowing that God's going to do something. And that's really where the incredible confidence if prayer doesn't change our circumstances, it at least changes us. Right? Prayer may not get a check in the mail today to pay that bill you're worried about, but it will definitely calm your heart so that worry doesn't take over. Prayer may not make that person who's struggling change, but it can equip us <coughs> to interact with him in a Christ-like manner. The one thing prayer always changes is us. If we pray long enough. One thing the, the prayer journal's going to do is give people a framework to know how to pray so that it's not all just generic <clears throat> prayers. Uh, and really, hopefully, teach people how to pray. So in kind of lead up to that as we're getting there and we're going to show you bits and pieces of it as it as it rolls out and then uh, Lord willing by April you will have in your hands a new prayer journal that is printed and that you can use in in the way that hopefully it'll be life-changing but for tonight, as we just give ourselves some reminders along the path, I want to remind us who to pray for. Or if we said it grammatically correct, for whom should we pray? You like that? Isn't that fancy? For whom should we pray, beloved? Beloved. Don't I just sound smarter when you say it like that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> say anything with an English accent, it just sounds smarter. And so tonight I just want to take us to uh, the Bible. I have many. I'll see if I can get through eight. But I have more than that. We're just going to go through and touch base on different portions of Scripture and remind us for whom we should pray. Uh, we begin tonight in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 
verses 1 and 2, I exhort, so this is a strong encouragement, that first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks. We're not going to go deeply into that tonight, but those are different different types of prayer. They're all prayer, but they're different types of prayer. Prayer, uh, excuse me, supplications is asking with deep humility. Prayers are just asking. Intercessions is praying on behalf of others and giving of thanks. We do that best in prayer. But notice when we should do that. I exhort, therefore, that when you've tried everything else, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. Why is it that we do prayer last? <laughs> you know, we'll try as hard as we can, and it's kind of like that, that old story where the guy's like, well, I guess I've tried everything else. I might as well pray about it. You know, it's, that's not the last thing to do. That's the first thing to do. First of all, first in our day. Uh, our, our days will be profited by praying first. Uh, and just little things. It doesn't have to be, your full prayer time in the morning, although uh, as much as you can get of quality prayer time in the morning, but little milestones, touchstones that you touch along the way. For example, uh, I personally like to talk to God before my, heat, my feet hit the floor in the morning. That's just one of my touchstones. Before my feet hit the floor, I'm already talking to God. And usually it's like, oh no, God, is it time to wake up? You know, some, something like that. And uh, not always that way, but every morning at my house, it's a resurrection, not, a, not just a, a waking up. And so my goal is to talk to God before my feet hit the floor. I don't do that for hours, although sometimes if I can't wake up, if I can't go to sleep, sometimes I'll wake up at 4 in the morning, you know, 4.30, sometimes 3.30, whatever, on these crazy days when it's like you're just awake, you can't go back to sleep. I'll usually let them pray for quite a long time before I ever get up. Then if you can't, if after, if you can't fall back asleep after praying for an hour and laying in bed with your head on your pillow, you're not sleeping, right? And so uh, get up and, and get things moving. Just little things before you, you go about the day. Uh, at the busiest times of my life, sometimes I would say, I'm not going to eat breakfast until I've prayed a certain amount. And it's amazing how we find time to eat, but we don't find time to pray. But when you can't eat until you've prayed, you'll pray, right? Uh, and so all these little things, whatever works for you, you have to learn to work, walk in your own shoes and, and live in the circumstances you've given you. That's always changing. If you've got a newborn baby in the house, that's different than if you're an empty nester. You know, situations change, but you can have these touchstones. You can have these rituals and we use that in in the sense of we do certain things religiously uh maybe the time maybe it's not always the same time on the calendar but we do certain things like before we eat we pray or after we eat while we're sitting there we read the bible whatever works for you uh, and get a handle on your day first of all first of all First of all, pray. Then it says, who should we pray for? Be made for all men. Let me give you a quick list tonight. 
Who, for whom should we pray? Number one, pray for all men. Pray for all men. There's nobody we shouldn't pray for. And the list that I'm going to give you in just a few moments could be summed up under one heading of all men. Pray for everybody. Uh, pray for your family. Pray for your enemies. Pray for everybody. There's nobody for whom we can't pray. But I think this is also more literal than that. We have such an amazing God that you can literally pray for everybody at the same time and God can hear that prayer and apply it in his own way. Do you know you can pray for the world and that's not too big of a prayer for God? That's pretty awesome. You can pray for the world. You can pray for nations. And pray for anything and no prayer is too big for God so we pray for all men what could we pray for all men well we know God wants all men to be what saved, saved. that's right what a pray save all the lost people and so on and you can think through your mind and, and read in the scriptures this all men concept number two we find that we should pray for kings for kings so number one, for whom should we pray? We pray for all men. Number two, we pray for kings. These are the people that have specific uh, top-shelf leadership that affect our situation. The king in a nation had absolute authority. Now, thankfully, we don't live in a, a monarchy like that. And even, even like the English monarchy that, that exists uh, is as much... Uh, cultural as as it is powerful it's not like the king can can just start directing congress to do things or their the way that they function in politics but in these old testament situations and in some places around the world the king has absolute authority if they want you to die you're dead if they want to take your stuff it's gone and we need to be praying for the kings in our lives. They don't have absolute authority, but they have incredible authority. And they can make life difficult. I try not to be too political in my own heart just because it's, it's too frustrating. But if you look at how our nation has changed in the last three years simply because leadership at the top of our nation changed, I went to buy eggs this morning. Eggs. I'm like, I told my son, we might need to buy chickens. <laughs> you know, we just, might, we just might need to get some chickens. <clears throat> I went to the store this morning, got, got like four bags of groceries and a gallon of milk, and it was $160. I'm like, it wasn't like that three years ago. You know, three years ago, you could get eggs for, what, some of you ladies would know. Yeah, you get them on sale, 99 cents. At, at, at uh, some of the stores, buck 50 if you want to spin big. People in New York City paying $7.99 a dozen for eggs. What about gas? What about everything? Oh, inflation's only a 7%. That's one of the biggest lies. Yeah. A 
I saw a thing today. We don't know how many people have entered the country, but I saw a thing today that said they believe this this one group, according to their numbers, they believe uh, up to 12 million people have entered the country in the last three years. That's almost the size of New York City. Yeah. I tell you what, you better pray for the king. That stuff will change your life. Think about North Korea. They don't even know what freedom is because of their king. Think about Cuba, 90 miles off the end of, our, of Florida, and a completely different experience because the people at the top notice what it says why we should pray look at look at the end of verse 2 that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty the best hope for a christian is that the government just leaves you alone most people forget that's why christians came to america right they were fleeing persecution at this time the roman the roman government with a, a strong thumb on top of Christianity. Nero basically, basically caused all kinds of trouble, blamed Christians for it, and killed a bunch of them. Christians have always been in, under persecution. The Inquisition of the Catholic Church, they say as many as 50 million Christians were killed during those years. And we don't pray for our kings? We don't pray for our authorities? That's why the Bible says, Who, for whom should we pray? Number one, all men. Number two, kings. Top of the list, pray for the political forces that are going to direct the quality of your lives. And then number three, for all that are in authority. For all that are in authority, from the president, Congress, Supreme Court, all the way down to your state governments, to your local governments. You know, we've got a beautiful piece of property down the road that our local government, for whatever reason, basically won't let us develop unless we had endless money. We've got a piece of property across the street. We better start praying. Right? These people have power. I was in a town meeting one time. It was almost 11 o'clock at night. We were one of the last ones up when we were trying to develop the property down there. And we were talking about our church. I mentioned Sunday school. And a lady on the planning committee, like she flipped out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You didn't say anything about a school. Hey, we got to do this, and we got to do this. And no idea what a Sunday school was. One guy, this was a legitimate, sincere suggestion. One man on the planning committee said, you know, I know you guys are full over there. I see the cars on the street, but he said, my Catholic church has plenty of room. He said, why not, rather than build another church, why don't you just send some of your people over to us? Totally sincere. And my lawyer had to explain to him, ah, oh, come on, Bob, you know what? And I'm sitting here thinking, these people are in charge of our lives. 
One reason why it was 11 o'clock is because they spent an hour debating whether or not a guy could cut down a tree in his own lawn on Main Street. And I think they tabled it and never decided. And part of that time was telling him what kind of shrubs they wanted him to plant in front of his own business. I sit there thinking, these people are in charge of our lives. I think if you went to lunch with the Congress people, you'd look around and go, these people are nuts. And we don't pray for them? We gotta pray. And so just giving us a reminder tonight, for whom do we pray? Number one, kings. Or excuse me, all men. Number two, kings. Number three, for all that are in authority. Why? That ye may, able, may be able to lead a quiet and peaceable life. Notice this, in all godliness and honesty. When evil men take power, they outlaw godliness. That doesn't mean we stop being godly. It just means it gets a whole lot harder. Right? And so we pray. So hopefully, I'm not chastising us tonight. I'm in this myself. I'm, I'm frustrated with myself when I hear myself speak. I'm like, why aren't I praying more for these people? And life will sweep you away. Life gets busy. Prayer, uh, even if you're the most intentional, none of us pray as much as we ought. We've got to. We've got to make it an absolute priority. For whom should we pray? Let me give you another one. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll look at some scriptures now in the final minutes we have. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Number 4, we pray for the ministers. Ministers of Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11. Ye also helping together by what? Prayer. By prayer for us, that for the gifts bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. And so this means we're, we're praying for God's leaders. We're praying for pastors. We're praying for missionaries. We're praying for evangelists. We're praying for deacons. We're praying for the people who are specially gifted to do the work of God. You ever look at someone and you hear them lead someone to Christ, you're like, boy, I, I, I just couldn't. I, I can't do it like that. You hear someone teach a, a Bible lesson, it's like, wow, I can't do it like that. Someone preaches a sermon, wow. Someone handle a situation, I couldn't have done that. Someone has wisdom in how to handle a situation, it's like, wow, I, that would have... I would handle that so much different. That's so much better. And you say, well, I just can't do that. But what you can do for all of the, the men of God, for all the great servants of God, is to pray for them. In the Civil War, the soldiers were instructed to shoot for the brass buttons because the officers wore the brass buttons. And they knew that if they had an enemy force coming down on them, when you take out the officer, everything just kind of gets chaotic for at least a while. And oftentimes it can make the difference in a battle. Satan is 
particularly attacking God's leaders in this age. It's the last days. He is going after preachers. He's going after missionaries. He's going after preachers' wives. He's going after preachers' kids. He's going after deacons. He's going after church leaders. Why? Because if he can do that, there's chaos. My wife is probably one of the sickest people. She is consistently the sickest person that I have ever known. But there is an epidemic of pastors' families going through incredible health trouble right now all across America. It's like if we can't get you to fall any other way, we're going to attack you physically. Uh, I haven't heard much about it. Uh, hopefully get an update soon. <laughs> But I think I was talking to Brother Davis about it, and Brother Nichols, who was just here, had a bit of a setback recently. And after those years of being able to get up and around, just months after he was here, last I heard he was back in his wheelchair. We don't know if that's forever or what. There's people everywhere that are struggling. And... Think about church leaders, Sunday school teachers, deacons, uh, people on the platform, song leaders, piano players, organ players, all of this. The more visible the position, the more influence someone has, if Satan can get them crossways with God, with themselves, with others, the more the ripple effects of chaos and destruction go out. We've got to pray for ministry. Number one, to help them. But number two, to protect them, that God would give them special grace and strength. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. We see another group of people for whom we should pray. Number one, all men. Number two, kings. Number three, authorities. Number four, ministers. Number five, we see we should pray <coughs> for the saints. Ephesians chapter 6, and look at verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto, watching there speaks of like setting up a guard, like, like someone would be on watch, like security watch. We, we have the ability to set up protections in prayer uh, that, that protect these people. And watching thereunto with perseverance and supplication for who? For all saints. So we're supposed to pray for all the saints. Did you pray for the Christians in Zimbabwe this morning? Did you pray for the Christians in Eritrea, if there are any? No, there was a country named that. China? North Korea, even Saudi Arabia. It's not easy to be a Christian in any Muslim country. At best, you keep your mouth shut. At worst, you die. Now, the good news is you don't have to go through the 200-plus countries in the world and name them off one by one. But once again, with the beautiful power of prayer in our Almighty God, you can say, God, I pray for believers everywhere, all across the world right now. I pray for all of them. And then 
what will usually happen is the Holy Spirit might remind you of two or three places. What do I pray for the Christians in Ireland? What do I pray for the Christians in Zimbabwe? Where would that pop in my mind? It was the Lord. You were thinking about Zimbabwe a second ago. Why is it in your mind now? The Holy Spirit has the ability to say, yeah, pray for this, pray for this group. And yeah, pray for these. Because he knows where the needs are. And so we pray for all saints. Look at Romans chapter 10. For whom should we pray? All men, kings, authorities, ministers, all the saints. Romans chapter 10. And verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Here the Apostle Paul, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is praying for his fellow countrymen. And of course he's praying for the lost. But for here let's talk about praying for our fellow countrymen. Do we pray for Americans today? Instead of getting frustrated with them? Instead of getting angry, did we pray? Did we pray they'd be saved? Did we pray they'd open up their <laughs> eyes and see what's going on in front of them? Did we pray that they would notice and see the, the devastation, the ends of these terrible philosophies? Did we pray that they would more of them would speak up? Did we pray that we could return to our roots? Did we pray that we could return to our God? Did we pray for revival? We pray for our fellow countrymen. They say right now that the country's pretty much split in half. People that love the country and the founding documents and the ideals that America was founded on and people that fundamentally want to change everything. Or they can get frustrated with them. We need to pray for them. Amen? And of course also this tells us to pray for the lost. Every day we should be praying for all the lost people. Lost people in our community. Lost people in your home if you have them. Lost people in your family. You always start with you and then work out in concentric circles further and further away until you get to everybody. But it starts here. And then it's in your home. Then it's your neighborhood, your community, your state, your region, uh, your, your nation, and the rest of the world. That's what we learn in Acts chapter 1. Verse 8. Look at James chapter 5. James chapter 5. For whom should we pray? All men, kings, authorities, ministers, all saints, fellow countrymen, the lost. James chapter 5. We see that we must pray for the sick. James chapter 5 verse 14 is any sick among you let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord by the way that's not some kooky thing we do that we don't have healing lines down the the hallway but it is a right and biblical thing that if you have ongoing sickness you can call for the preacher and sometimes I'll do it myself, sometimes we'll be me and Brother Pash, sometimes we'll get a couple of godly men in the church, and we'll use anointing oil, 
It's usually just basic oil. Sometimes it's got some frankincense or myrrh in it. And we use that. That symbolizes the Holy Spirit. And we anoint that person with oil and we pray for them. We've seen God do some pretty awesome things over the years. That's a right and proper thing. Look at verse 15. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. We've got to pray for the sick. We, we can't forget our shut-ins. We can't forget the elderly folks. Uh, and you folks have done a tremendous job visiting uh, the, the shut-ins and such over the years. And I know that you pray an awful lot for Sarah. There's, there is a special kind of suffering just to be closed up and have the world pass you by. And... On top of the physical pain, there is an emotional and mental suffering that, that goes along with that. Did you ever notice that people who have never really been sick have a hard time having compassion on those that are sick? Until they get sick. And sometimes you've been sick. Every, almost everybody's been sick. Some people are gifted where they're not that sick at all. Talked to a man one time, he said, I've never had a headache. I'm like, well, good for you. I've had a bunch of them, <laughs> you know, and you're one of them. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> but uh, it's hard for him if you say, hey, I got a headache around him. He's like, what, sissy? Just don't, don't have one. What do you mean, don't have a headache? Just, I don't have one. It's. But all of us know what it's like to be sick, but it's hard to have a frame of reference for people that are really sick. But then have you ever known somebody that's really sick and you're, you're, you're praying for them as much as you know how and you're very thoughtful about them, but then you get really sick and you're like, oh my, I'm going to pray for so-and-so more because if I was this sick and I felt that awful, I can't imagine what they're going through. And we all need compassion to pray for the sick. Let's not have to wait until we are truly afflicted, until we begin to pray for the sick. Let's just pray for the sick. Let me give you a, a last one here. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. As I'm turning the pages, I just turned past my... Six-day Bible reading plan. I hope you all are reading your Bible every day. If you don't have one of these yet, grab them on the back. If you're watching online, you can go to sixdaybiblereadingplan.org and download one. But um, I'm enjoying going through the, the plan. So for whom should we pray? Last one on our list. Look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. I look at verse 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. That's how we usually do it, isn't it? You be good to me, I'll be good to you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Jesus taught us a different way. Verse 44. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. 
That's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? That's high-level Christianity. What do you do with someone who is your enemy? You pray for them. I don't have any enemies. Sadly, over the years, I've had people that saw me as an enemy. I don't have any, any enemies but Satan and his lot. supposed to love them what do you do when they curse you you bless them what do you do when they use you find something nice to do for them <laughs> that goes against the grain doesn't it but the best thing we can do for them is pray for them and no not pray that God would teach them a lesson God punish them God teach them a lesson we pray for them their heart would be turned to God they'd be saved if they're not saved God would help them heal from whatever a hurt, anger, suffering if someone lashes out at you it's usually because they're in some type of pain right? hurting people hurt people so we need to pray for them but notice what happens when we're able to do this verse 45 that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Now, wait a minute. That's clearly not talking about earning your way to heaven. The Bible says clearly that good works aren't the way to heaven, that the way to heaven is through trusting the person and work of Christ. What does this mean? Think about it this way. That ye may be known as the children of your Father which is in heaven. It's basically when we do this, Everybody understands who we are because people don't do this. People don't respond this way. And I've heard Muslim testimonies that have explained that the one thing that they could not explain away in Christianity was this idea of Christian love. One man said, we don't, have a, we don't really have a concept like that. There are things that are similar, but nothing like God teaches people how to love and Christ teaches Christians how to love. There's, there's no analogous concept in Islam, and it's, it's that way in a lot of different religions. Of course, love, some version of love exists, but not like God taught us to love each other. And when we're able to love like this, it becomes very obvious who we belong to. And that we're able to become good ambassadors for the Lord. Amen. For whom should we pray? All men, kings, authorities, ministers, all saints, fellow countrymen, the lost, the sick, persecutors how do we remember to pray for all these things well we have a list that reminds us who we should pray for let me say it again if you're praying without a list you're not praying to your potential it goes for me it goes for you it goes for everybody if you're praying without if you're trusting your mind you're not praying to your potential you gotta have a list. You gotta have a plan.
I thank God for that. Let's pray. Lord, help us now as we take the offering, go to our prayer time. I pray that you bless the offering. Help us take care of all of our needs. And Lord, we ask that you would protect us in these crazy days. Help your name to go forth with boldness and clarity. Help your light to shine in these dark days.